The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLaRente, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much. It's playoff time, so let's get into it. It is certainly that the NBA and the NHL, both in their playoff seasons as we speak simultaneously, so we're going to cover it here on Know the Score. Know the score can be found on the CSPN at CSPN.us. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes, SoundCloud, Switch Radio. All you have to search for is KTS Pod the CSPN. So we'll start in the NBA and we'll start with what happened as we record this on Wednesday night. What happened on Tuesday evening as the Lakers even up the series with the Suns behind 37 points from Anthony Davis. Uh, to get a victory out in uh, Phoenix. Uh, Chris Paul suffering from a shoulder injury, uh, didn't play down the stretch. And uh, our man, um, Devin Booker, uh, he looked like a playoff rookie. Uh, Just not being smart with the basketball, careless shots, turnovers, dribbling too much. Um, And the game was, you know, fairly close coming down the stretch, and he just basically blew it for them. Uh, your thoughts on, though, uh, Chris Paul's injury and how that seems to be the history of his playoffs? Yeah, that's definitely been the case. I mean, it's kind of just at this point like, oh, Chris Paul went down, status quo. Um, and it's really just a terrible thing to see. I mean, CP3 is probably one of the best uh, guards in the history of the NBA. Uh, As talented as he is, the championship has sort of eluded him. Uh, Probably would have had one if it wasn't for Dan Gilbert and David Stern blocking the liquor trade a few years ago, but uh, that's near there. Um, But it, it, yeah, it just seems to be the uh, CP3's history uh, with the injuries. Uh, the it just seems like he's there's some kind of curse. But hopefully, for his sake, the injury isn't going to take him out for too long. Um, and just need to see what kind of happens from there. Uh, he's really been one of the reasons it's not the reason the Suns are where they are. I mean, with his leadership, I mean, James Johnson made some great moves um, to get Phoenix where they are, to make that big trade, to get Chris Paul and really make this team um, contender. So it's just going to be interesting to see what happens going forward in regards to that, but we just got to see what happens from there. 
the Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, they're flexing their muscles to overpower the Celtics for a 2-0 series lead. Uh, not only are they putting up some impressive offensive numbers, but, man, their defense has really been uh, a revelation. Uh, you know, with Steve Nash and, and Coach Mike D'Antoni, uh, assistant coach Mike D'Antoni, they weren't really known for their defensive prowess when they were together in Phoenix as a coach and player. So to see the Nets, uh, you know, hold down Boston uh, in the second half of the first game and then this whole entire game in game two, uh, I think that's really been more impressive to me than their offense. I mean, we know that if they get rolling, you know, 120 points is nothing uh, for those guys. But uh, just your thoughts on the Celtics uh, in a lot of trouble heading back to Boston's for game three and four. I mean... We'll just have to see what happens. I mean, Boston's going to have to find some kind of way to to slow these guys down. I mean, no Jalen Brown is really affecting this team. Uh, he's great on both ends of the ball. He's a great defender. He's a, he's a, he's a great scorer alongside Jason Tatum. He was coming off one of the best seasons of his career, and Without him in the lineup, you really see the difference. Uh, Jason Tatum, there's only but so much he can do. Kimball Walker has to kind of find a way to, you know, re revive the UConn Kemba or the even the Charlotte Kemba because what he's been doing in these first two games have. I mean, he did he did put Blake on skates. So that was kind of a flashback, but. Aside from that, there's really not been much uh, done for, on his end. So uh, that's one thing Boston will need. They need somebody to really take that load off of Jason Tatum. And and uh, we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, fortunately for the Celtics, they do get two games at home, but I don't even think that'll be enough, even with a nearly full garden. So, and this is coming from a Celtics fan. So, uh, this is definitely just not what anybody expected. I mean, for Boston to get into the playoffs the way the season ended, the way they struggled, is an accomplishment in its own right. I mean, but, Tatum put up that 50 piece against uh, Washington in the playing game. He did. He did, and and uh, but when you're playing against the Nets, you need you need as many available bodies as possible. I think we're really seeing how valuable Jalen Brown really is to this team, and he could be making a huge difference if he was healthy. The Mavericks behind Luka Doncic, 39 points in Game Two, take a 2-0 series lead over the Clippers. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had 41, but, uh, you know, last year there was the joke, Pandemic P, uh, as Paul George, uh, his level has definitely slipped in the spotlight of the playoffs. Well, it looks like it's Pandemic P Part 2 because Paul George is not helping Kawhi Leonard uh, on the scoring uh, on the scoring front. And the Mavericks, man, they had – um, the Clippers on the brink last year. Clippers just got by. 
but it doesn't look like that they, they might be this lucky uh, this year going forward as the Mavericks are taking that 2-0 series lead back to Dallas. Yeah, this this is really disappointing. I mean, it's really also laughable because we a lot of people. I'm gonna say we a lot of people crowned the Clippers uh, when this happened, and and it's kind of hard when only one person is doing the heavy lifting and the other person that's supposed to be coming in to help this team out. But I don't even think it's uh, pandemic uh, P. This is playoff P. I mean, this is who Paul George is. I mean, he has disappeared on many stages in the past. He disappeared for Oklahoma City against the Utah Jazz in that one series. Uh, a few years back, when he was with the Thunder, he's he disappeared in the bubble. He's disappeared in the first two games, and um, you know, and all this is doing is just making everybody remind that the Clippers will forever be the little brother team, and and that's just where they are. That's just who the identity is no matter who comes through that door, no matter who comes down that hallway, the Clippers are forever in the Lakers shadow and they'll never get out of it. It's just unless Paul George can find that PG 13 that he dubbed himself Back in the 2014 or 13 Eastern Conference Finals against the Heat, then we're not going to see the Clippers in the postseason for long. Dallas, especially with the Mavericks going home up 2-0. The Bucks they needed a buzzer, a buzzer beater from Chris Middleton to win Game One, and then they blew the doors off the Heat in Game Two for their 2-0 advantage in the series. Uh, Miami, you know, they're a goody, gritty team. So they'll definitely have some fight in them from game three. Uh, do you think that if they can get game three, that they can maybe build on some momentum and tie this series up before we head back to Milwaukee? Um, I think they can get one or two. I really thought that Miami had a chance after – after their game, one loss. I mean, it went to overtime. It took a Chris Middleton buzzer beater to get the win. But at the at the end of the day, when the Bucks hit twenty two three pointers in game two, that really made the difference. I really thought Miami was in good shape after game one, despite not playing their best. And then Milwaukee just you know, hit that barrage of three-pointers in game two. And and so now the good thing for the Heat, they're going home. I think they can get at least one or two at home and even probably get two. But I do see the series going back to Milwaukee for game five at least. Now we'll kind of preview uh, what's going to happen uh tonight as we record this Damian Lillard and the Joker 
Nikola Djokovic. They're putting up big numbers to lead their teams to a victory each to even their series uh, at one game each. Um, Damian Lillard has been just amazing doing what he does in the playoffs. Jokic uh, having to take on a bigger role of scoring this playoff run as Jamal Murray uh, is not available since season-ending ACL tear um, with probably about a handful of games left in the season. Um, this is going to come down for Portland if Carmelo and McCullum can consistently provide enough support for Lillard. Um, this game was basically like game two was basically like the Nuggets having like a nice lead on them, but Damian Lillard just hitting three after three after three, keeping it within shouting distance. Um, but he didn't have much help from his other his other players, whereas Jokic not only put up points, but he also had a lot of other teammates in double figures as well. So that's kind of what I see this series coming down to is can Damian Lillard get consistent help from McCollum, from Carmelo Anthony, and uh, maybe one more guy that we're not really thinking about yet, an unsung hero uh, for Portland. But but your thoughts on the series, do, uh, does Portland have enough to upset the Nuggets? They have enough, but it's just, like you said, it is, are these guys going to show up? And and so they did, they did get home court in game one. They they did get that, but I think when you have a player that can not only make himself better, but make the guys around him better, especially with one of your key guys out, uh, Jokic is definitely where it is. He's on top of the game, he's on a whole nother level right now. And I think that is going to be the intangible uh, for Denver to go on to the second round. If uh, Jokic can continue to play, uh, keep getting Michael Porter Jr. involved, keep getting Paul Millsap involved, keep getting uh, the guys around him uh, involved. And like you said, with multiple guys in double figures, that's going to be the difference maker. I think McCollum and Anthony have what it takes to do that, but I don't see them doing it consistently, especially when a Damian Lillard has an off night and if nobody's stepping up, then Portland can really forget about having any chance of winning the series. The Wizards, on the strength of beating the Pacers, uh, to get that very last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we'll talk about the playing games here really quickly. Um, the Hornets, oh my gosh, just did not show up against the Patriots. Well, they got obliterated. It was a very disappointing effort by the Hornets, um, especially on the big stage like that for uh, LaMelo and a, and a chance for them to really, you know, um, solidify themselves as, you know, uh, what they were in the season, which was, a you know, a contending team for a playoff spot. Uh, right. The, like we said, but like we mentioned earlier, uh, Jason Tatum put up 50 against the Wizards to help Boston uh, secure their spot in the playoffs. So the Wizards then met the Pacers to determine the final spot in the Eastern Conference and Russell Westbrook 
put the Wizards on his back due to Bradley Beal being injured and got the Wizards into the eighth spot. And their reward is they got to size up against the 76ers. Uh, as you know, Joel Embiid and Russell Westbrook, they do have a little history um, where they don't really rock with each other. Um, but the Wizards are hoping to even up the series versus the 76ers tonight. Uh, Bradley Beal, like we said, Bradley Beal is uh, is is injured. He's playing, but he's not up to his normal efficiency. And so, Russell Westbrook has definitely had to take on a bigger role. Uh, do you see the Wizards getting a game, or do you think they're going to get swept up out of here? I think they'll get a game. I, I, the Sixers are on a di- the Sixers are on a different level right now, but. I can see Washington getting at least one out of it, uh, just for just for like a pride uh, stand, standpoint. But it's gonna take a whole lot. It's gonna take a whole lot for um, for Washington to even have a chance to, you know, they got to put a complete game just to even make it. A in the fourth quarter, right? Because right now they're they're down fourteen, and it's, they've given up seventy one in the first half. So uh, Philly is just a juggernaut right now. So uh, yeah, it's a hefty reward for winning the the AC game. Uh, over in the West, before we get too far. Uh, we had LeBron James hit one of the luckiest basketball shots he's ever made in his career um, over Steph Curry to propel the Lakers into the seventh seed. And then you had um, the Grizzlies beat the San Antonio Spurs to knock them out because they were actually the higher seed. So San Antonio got knocked out. So that meant that uh, there was it was the Lakers and yeah so those were the two teams so now that the Lakers the two higher seeds won so now the uh, uh, Warriors Warriors had a chance to go against the Grizzlies again Uh, this was a game that they played last Sunday to end the regular season and this time Dylan Brooks did not foul out John Morant was under control and the Grizzlies defeated the Warriors on the road to secure the eighth spot and their reward was they used that momentum to go to Utah and beat the Jazz on the road, the number one seed, a game that they controlled for most of the game by double digits, but they're in the fourth quarter, young team, first time in the playoffs, uh, you know, almost gave it all back, but they held on and went by three. Uh, Donovan Mitchell did not play in this game uh, due to an ankle injury. I think due to his comments in the media, though, he probably will suit up and try to at least have limited minutes uh, tonight. He was incensed with the. He was incensed with the Jazz for, because it was a late scratch. He was supposed to start that game, but they, they benched him at the last moment, and then they lose game one. So, uh, I think this is a desperate move to get him into the game. I think he probably would have. 
to abandon the train at this point if the Jazz didn't start him in game two. Uh, so he probably would have to trade. Probably would have to trade demand after game two uh, if he did not get his way. So, um, yeah, this. And I said the for the Grizzlies. I said for the Grizzlies, um, this is a team that the Hornets really need to look at uh, going forward. Uh, I think they have a young, both teams have a young star. If you could build around that young star, uh, the Hornets could be something like the Grizzlies are. And also, the young star needs to mature just a little bit more. Uh, uh, we have seen, I mean, don't get me wrong, Lamelo's 19 going on 20, but, uh, you know, he's the face of this team. I mean, he's going to be the guy. And now Mitch Kupchak has to find ways to get pieces around his guy. And then on top of that, if they look at the Grizzlies, look at, the maturity of John Morant, look at the determination of the team around them, a nice little mix. And and they, not only is this team, the Grizzlies, a team that still holds on to the grind city, the grit and grind, but it's a new generation of grit and grind. And that's, that's where the difference lies. Last but not least, the Atlanta Hawks used the buzzer beater from Trey Young to spoil the Knicks' return to the playoffs. Um, in a very, very entertaining game, uh, the Garden crowd was on their feet, loud and proud, as you expected they would be after such a long drought uh, from being in the playoffs. Um, Julius Randle, though, did not have one of his better performances. You could kind of tell the that. improved player. Yeah, you could kind of tell that the, the the moment was not too big for him, but he had a lot of pressure on himself. He was just, you know, trying too hard. Uh, but, yes, this looks like it's going to be one of the more entertaining series as Trey Young has endeared himself to the new I fan sure. base. And, uh, He's the new one. And so, uh, yeah, they got a lot of emotion uh, built up in this series, and they've only played one game. Yes, yeah, so this is – this is uh, – what am I going to say with this? Uh, I have always said this. Uh, I'm not a Knicks fan by any means or stretches of the imagination. I will miss making jokes about the Knicks. However, I will say when the Knicks are good, the NBA playoffs are just that much better because of the garden crowd. And then you have Trey Young rip their hearts out, and then the jokes begin all over again. And that's just what makes everything come full circle. So I love this series. I love this matchup. And I love the fact that it's good for the Hawks at the end of the day because they get, because they're playing the Knicks, they'll be able to get some more national recognition because, you know, the 
the Hawks are going to be the team that nobody cares about. Like, we've seen it so many times. We've seen the history of Hawks games in Atlanta. Um, my concern is when the playoffs come when the series shifts to Atlanta, will it be MSG South? And music. They will have better music. I mean, because it is Atlanta. You are right. Um, Man, they, but, they, they um, what night was Shout out to Foster. Uh, the night that Kobe was going to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. They yes. showed a clip where, you know, Vince Carter is on their, like, um, kind of their broadcast team. And he was talking with mm. Dominique Wilkins about Kobe or whatever. He's talking about the first time he ever met Kobe in AAU. And the whole time, it's a damn party going on because I think it's like halftime or in between one of the quarters. There's a damn party going on in the damn stadium because the DJ is just cutting and scratching. It's like, oh, can't even listen to the interview because you're listening to the music too hard. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the fun part about – that's the fun part about State Farm Arena, like the Highlight Factory. Uh, and I've been to many – many games for, you know, when the Celtics and the Hawks were uh, going at it in the early 2000s, late 2000s. Um, I would I would say late 2000s because I didn't go to Atlanta until I was in college. But um, just going down to those playoff games and just uh, – it was always a good time. I mean, the the – Everything is um, everything is just pretty copacetic, and I love the atmosphere that uh, Sir Foster brings to the to the um, house of DJ. is really is really pretty awesome. But um, back to the series, though, I really think that I mean the Hawks already took home court. Uh, they're playing well right now in game two. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I really hope the Knicks can at least get uh, a game in the series. You know, uh, the more games at MSG, the better. But uh, Trey Young is definitely shown he is primed and ready. And, you know, we look back on that uh, Luca Trey trade. Yeah. On- night that's gonna be one of those where both teams got the guy they wanted and and uh they're gonna be building around those guys and it's gonna be talked about for many many years to come this is know the score i'm your host don delorente i'm here with my co-host Dwayne, and we're talking about playoffs 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 we just got wrapping up done wrapping up the nba playoffs now it's time to shift over to the NHL playoffs, the New York Islanders. They won a double overtime thriller to take a 3-2 series lead over the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, the first game was all the Islanders. The second game was all the Penguins. And then, of course, you have the you know the third game uh, um, being also for the Penguins. Then the Islanders have won the last two. 
So it looks like the momentum is on their side, but you never know when you switch the venues like this and start, you know, the back and forth games to the different venues. Uh, so you never know where the momentum is going to lie. But Pittsburgh, they're not out of it yet, but they've got to come with their best effort in game six to try to force a game seven. They do, and it's currently five to three at the end of the second quarter as we record second period as we record this in favor of the Islanders. So good gosh, eight uh, goals in two periods. Yes. And they are they are going at it right now. So uh this is definitely an eleven Pittsburgh is on the brink, so we will definitely need to See what the Penguins will do. Tristan Jerry has been um, shaky. I mean, in the last few games, and and now uh, you know Pittsburgh came in as the top seed in the in the uh, East Division, and now now they are they could be headed home, uh, courtesy of the four seed Islanders. So. Um, and the Islanders, they are definitely uh, a team. They're a fun team to watch. They they are a team that they move the puck very well. They uh, Barry Trotz, he's done a great job with this team. He's been a winner everywhere he's gone. I mean, this is the same guy that won a Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals and didn't return for the next season. Uh, so... Um, Trouts was the original coach of the National Predators. He's now doing a very good job with the Islanders. Uh, this game was tied at two after the first period, but the New York broke out for three in the in the second in the second period. So now one more period to go. Uh, we'll see how we'll see how they play it out in the third period if. New York goes on, or Pittsburgh pulls off a miraculous comeback to force a Game 7 back in PPG Arena in Pittsburgh. The Maple Leafs in this all-Canadian series they got going on, because you know the uh, way that the playoffs have been set up this year due to the... uh, due to COVID and travel restrictions. Uh, it's a divisional old school um, playoff format that they used to use when I was a kid uh, growing up in the 80s and the early 90s. Say what now? Yep. Prior to 93. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Maple Leafs are leading the Canadians. So I know that the ratings are ridiculous and uh, Canada for that series three to one uh, right now um, it has been a game where the Maple Leafs are just flexing on the Canadians uh, the Canadians did get a game to give them a little bit of hope they didn't get swept but it looks like the writing is on the wall for the Canadians but it's a pretty cool series uh, nonetheless the Maple Leafs and the Canadians get to face off against each other Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is probably one of because uh, probably one of the first series. I mean, they've played in the playoffs. I want to say since the seventies, um, and yeah, Toronto. 
Toronto came in heavy favorites anyway. They got great, great play. They have Austin Matthews, uh, Michael Nylander, Wayne Simmons. Uh, they got uh, the longtime vet Joe Thornton. Uh, Carey Price made a spectacular save in game three. Um, but Toronto did find a way to get the W in uh, Montreal. They got two, then they got a shutout. Um, yes, last night, game five of the series is back in Toronto. Um, and this, uh, yeah, the North Division and the North Division, aka the Scotia North, are all Canada Division. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, Montreal, they shocked. Game one, uh, game two, the series has been on Toronto ever since. Uh, and, I mean, Montreal, they show they can win in Toronto, but uh, at least aside from game two, the games and game four, the series have been, it's been pretty tightly contested. Uh, but I, I think Toronto's just got too much, too much talent, too much firepower. Uh, this is a team that was built to make a deep Stanley Cup run, and and so they have to really come through and show that this is this is the team that's going to get it done, get it over the hump. The Florida Panthers they stay alive against the Tampa Bay Lightning to force a game six. Uh, look like the. Uh, you know, the Lightning were going to have a gentleman sweep, but no, the Panthers, they fought hard. They're headed back to Tampa Bay. I know they're headed, they won that game in Tampa Bay. They're headed back to their stadium for this game six, and we'll get to see if they can uh, get up off the mat and force a game seven uh, in the uh, whole Florida. You were right. Oh. You were at the first. They're in, they're in Tampa for game six. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they – they lost the first two at home, and then they won game. They won game three in Tampa. Tampa went up three one, and then uh, Florida won at home in game four. Or I mean, game five. Uh, they actually were down, but they ended up coming back to win. Um, Tampa Bay's up one nothing in the second period right now. Uh, well, they're still in the first period, so the game's still. Pretty much underway. Uh, yeah, Florida can come back and get that, get the W. Yeah, we'll see a game seven uh, Friday night in uh, South Florida, uh, sunrise. Um, and this has been a series. Um, Andre Vasilevsky, uh, they actually did get to him pretty good. The Panthers did in uh, games, in the games that they did win, but um, the first game was a was a thriller. Nine goals between the teams. Uh, second second game, Vasilevsky was magnificent. Um, Spencer Knight, he was the rookie goaltender for the Panthers, and he came up huge in he came up huge in Game Five. Uh, and uh, right now he's got seven saves on eight shots right now, but uh, plenty of time for the Panthers to make 
around. We could be seeing a game seven. I would love to see the series go seven. Uh, this is actually the first time two Florida teams have faced off in the playoffs since in any sport since uh, the 99 Jaguars-Dolphins 62-7 divisional game. So, just oh, a fun fact. That's the, that's the last time that Dan Marino had a chance to possibly win a Super Bowl. Yeah, Mark Brunel and company took that away real quick. Kind of more like Fred Taylor, but yes, Mark Brunel yeah. was there as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Jets, the Winnipeg Jets, they swept yeah, the good, Oilers. good Jets. Yes, they have swept the Oilers right into a turbulent offseason. Wayne Gretzky is going to leave the front office, go into television. There's a Connor McDavid talk about because his contract is up and they don't know if they're going to really have enough to resign him because, you know, Edmonton is the middle of nowhere. Um, and, you know, the, with the tickets, lack thereof of tickets generated this year and last year and a half, uh, do they have enough to offer a guy like Connor McDavid? So, yeah, there's a lot that's going to be going on for the Oilers. The Jets, they're in the second round, so we will have plenty of time to talk about them. What's your thoughts on just the future of the Oilers? And could this maybe be a sign of, you know, the Edmonton franchise being in trouble as a franchise in general? Yeah, this is it's really tough uh, because, you know, this this pandemic has wrecked so many, uh, so many um, teams and, you know, Edmonton being one of those smaller market uh, franchises, and yeah, this is you know, it's really tough for a team that has seen a franchise player uh, go away. I mean. Not they saw the player, uh, the best player to ever play the game, dude. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I'm saying that because his career too. Uh, yeah, and exactly. That's exactly what I'm getting at. I mean, they've seen this before. Uh, I mean, and at the time, I mean, we knew we knew how great Wayne Gretzky is and was at that time, and you know, before you know, all the records were rewritten and everything. I mean, he was already doing the. He was already doing that, mm-hmm. but the 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 point I was getting at here is that they couldn't afford him then in a in the previous era, and they're in that same predicament yet again. I mean, Connor McDavid, he's already won, he's already won the MVP, he's already drawn comparisons. Um, to Wayne Gretzky and Sidney Crosby. I mean, he's had five 100-point seasons, and only one person has had more, Wayne Gretzky. Um, He's had only 21 playoff games compared to Wayne Gretzky's 70. He's only had, but... Wayne Gretzky also elevated his game in the playoffs. How many? Guess how many points that Wayne Gretzky had in in the seventy playoff games from eighty to eighty five. This was Edmonton's dynasty years. And points in the playoffs, probably 
Wayne Gretzky, five years worth of playoff, probably in the playoffs, probably about 250. That's a nice number. He actually had 156. Oh, okay. Little 156. Little, I was giving him about five. <laughs> but, yeah, but, so, yeah, at the same time, though, McDavid has it. McDavid's only had 21 playoff games. And guess how many playoff points he has right in those 21 games? Um, Let's go with, like, 48. Way off. 22. Wow. Yes. And a lot of the – not only did McDavid, he's had a history of, uh, of disappearing um, in the playoffs – he, they, he's had some great guys beside him, Leon Dreisaitl, and who has been a dynamic scorer as well. And I don't see this team, especially with everything that they got going on, uh, with the lack of ticket sales, the lack of the lack of money, cash flow that's going in, so it does kind of wonder. I mean, the thing that they may have going for them is a stronger Canadian dollar, and but is kind of David. I think the Oilers see it through. I don't think they 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 they'll find a way, but I think they're going to probably sacrifice a lot of their core around McDavid to keep him at the way they're going. And as of the as for like the stability of the team and the franchise itself, I don't see the I don't see a relocation happening. In the immediate future, um, you know, that would be, I mean, sorry, it was already devastating enough watching Wayne Gretzky leave Edmonton in 93 for the LA Kings. Um, it would probably be even more devastating should Connor McDavid leave, but uh, Edmonton's kind of like this, the, um, the small market, they like the Packers. That we like the Packers trying to leave. I mean, they're not publicly owned or anything of that sort, but it's kind of like even if they did leave Edmonton, where would they go? I mean, we already get a team in Seattle. Um, you know, you could, in theory, say Portland, but or Houston even. But where would? Uh, keep a team far, far away from Atlanta because it never works. Um, so it's kind of like, where would they go? Um, and, you know, I mean, imagine a Houston Oilers hockey team. That would be very interesting. <laughs> but, but I just don't see – I don't see them leaving Edmonton. I think the league will find a way to keep them kind of like – how they if they can force if the NHL can force 
us to still have the Arizona Coyotes, they're definitely going to find a way to keep the team in Edmonton. The Minnesota Wild, they're up three games to two over the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, They won that crucial game five, so they're set up try to win this series and move on to the second round. The Wild coming back to the playoffs after a a, a slight drought for them as well. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how the Golden Knights respond to later on. uh, They're playing this evening, right? Yeah, they play Yeah, 9 o'clock Eastern. Actually, Vegas is still up in the series. Uh, Minnesota wanted to stay alive in Vegas. Oh, I got it backwards. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I am hoping the Wild do win because I hate the Golden Knights with the passion. Uh, but, yes, uh, this series has been what you expect. I mean, Vegas, definitely, they came in with the second-best record. I actually tied for the most points, um, but they did not win the President's Trophy. That went to the Colorado Avalanche uh, because of the Rick. Avalanche have more uh, regulation time wins. Um, for the night, for the wild, though, they get to go home. They're playing against, uh, they're playing against, they're playing in front of their home crowd. Um, you know, ever since, ever since uh, Prince's passing, they have made his song, Let's Get, Let's Go Crazy, their goal song. So, the more they score, the more fun it is for me because that's what they get to play. Um, but, um, yeah, the Wild took game one of this series. Vegas evened it up at home. Uh, then Vegas, they took two in Minnesota. So this has kind of been like the road team dominating the series. Uh, Vegas is 2-1 and one in Los... I mean, Minnesota's 2-1 and one in Vegas, but Vegas is 2-0 and oh in St. Paul. So the Wild, obviously, is a must win situation to get it back to Vegas for game seven Friday night. The Hurricanes, my Carolina Hurricanes, they have taken a 3 2 series lead over Dwayne's Nashville Predators uh, with a win in the series' third straight overtime game. So the Canes at home, strength of a rookie goaltender, uh, Alex Nadelkovic got the first two wins, a shutout in game two. Then the series shifted over to Nashville, where Nashville won two double overtime games in front of their home crowd. Uh, were you covering those games in the building, sir, or were you uh, doing this remote? I was, I was doing this remotely. Uh, yeah, my... My, um, I have no, I mean, if I had no allegiance, it would be more to Carolina than to Nashville. Like, I just, but for me, it's just, I just cover the team, but, um, my team isn't in the playoffs, um, the Sharks, but, and really for the third time since 1996, no teams for California made the playoffs. So, uh, no Ducks, no Kings, no Sharks, but, um, this series has been very exciting. Um, you know, it started off with the Predators. Real, the Hurricanes really came out in game one. 
smacked him in the mouth. Um, Jordan Stahl was magnificent in the, in that game one. Uh, the Predators were the better team in game two, but they did squander opportunities, which allowed Carolina to go up two games to none. Um, the energy at Bridgestone, I will say that Nashville does have probably one of the best, if not the best home ice advantages in the playoffs. So for the restrictions to, you know, be lifted at the perfect time, um, the Predators needed that energy from that raucous crowd at Bridgestone. Uh, I will, I can say like doing that Stanley cup run in 2017, that was probably one of the best experiences I've ever been a part of, only because of the fact that, you know, the crowds were so amped. The, it was just one huge party uh, for the Stanley Cup uh, play, playoffs final that year. So, and then for one thing about, you know, these Predators fans, I stayed up for a triple overtime at Bridgestone. Uh, so double overtime was nothing to these Predators fans whatsoever. Uh, they, you know, they definitely showed up. And then for uh, to do a double overtime game and then get up early for a matinee and then go to another double overtime game, Predators once again, so they were the better team in games three and four. Um, they dominated for most of game five. Uh, the Hurricanes even it up, had a goal taken away, but uh, they did come back yet again uh, to take game five. So uh, game six in Nashville, um, Nadevkovich is going to have to really settle his nerves. He cannot let that crowd get in his head. I think that has been a factor. Uh, Carolina will have to match Nashville's desperation. I think uh, what's going to help Nadokovic is those first two games in Nashville, Slavin did not play. He uh defenseman for Carolina who really settles their whole rotation down on the back line. Um, he, he played in game one, didn't play in game two, didn't play in game three, didn't play in game four, came back last night, played, and the defense in front of the goaltender was much better. Uh, so I think that's going to be a huge uh, uh, advantage for Carolina uh, tomorrow night. Um, yeah, I was in the building. I've been in the building for the three wins. Um, like you said, just an experience that is electric. Uh, if you could bottle up, that energy right before the game starts when the team is in the locker room still and they haven't come out, but they're pumping up the crowd to let them like get as out as you can because they can hear you underneath the stadium. Yeah. If you could bottle that up and sell it, you'd be a very, very, very rich man because, man, it is so electric, uh, those games. And then last night I may or may not have done a Bo Dallas victory lap around the suite I was working in. Uh, when Jordan Stahl uh, got that puck to slide underneath Saros, uh, who has just been outstanding. Um, he really, really, really kept that game uh, in the Predators' favor for as long as they had it uh, last night with some tremendous saves. Uh, there was one in particular on Sebastian Ajo 
where Ahu was right there, and it's just like, man, how did he save that? But um, yeah. yes, if you have an opportunity to go to a playoff hockey game, do not pass it up wherever you are in the country, whatever team you can go watch, even if you're not, quote unquote, a fan of the sport or a fan of the team. Um, that is, it, it's a, I mean, you can go to games. Yeah, but a playoff atmosphere is something that if you're a sports fan, you must experience it in something yes. like basketball. Uh, I don't know if basket, basketball doesn't look like it gets as crunk before the games like it used to back uh, in the day, they, like in the 90s. It looked, they don't. Yeah, but like they hockey, don't. they still, yeah, they still get super crunk before these games. Uh, and and people get mad at me when I say that, but it's the truth. I mean, you, I've been to a playoff basketball game. I've been to a playoff hockey game, like, and, you know, the crowds for a hockey game. And that's one thing I have missed in the pandemic. Like, I think the series with the Maple Leafs and Canadians would be so much different if you see a whole bunch of white pom-poms waving for the Montreal Canadiens, that series would be a whole lot different. I also think we're missing the Winnipeg whiteout um, for the Jets. Like, uh, we're missing everybody dressed in white for the Winnipeg Jets games. We're missing, uh, you know, we're getting back to, you know, the gold for the Predators to stand with us campaign that they have had for years. Uh, you know, Nashville has really elevated themselves into one of the best atmospheres um, in the in the entire league. I mean, and then, I mean, we can't forget the hockey tailgates in Carolina and Raleigh. So, um you know, though that goes all the way back to 2002 when they made their first cup run. So, yeah, uh, they treat it more like college football than a professional. Exactly. And that, yeah. So when they made that 06 cup run, that was that was the that was definitely the big thing. And even even down in Florida, I mean, the Panthers haven't had much to really give anybody to cheer about, but they are the hottest ticket in South Florida. I mean, and then of course the lightning winning, winning the uh, Stanley cup a year ago. I mean, it was funny when the Panthers made their schedule release in the NFL, they're like, well, we got to pay homage to the champs. And, you know, they weren't going to definitely pay homage to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they paid homage to the lightning instead. So, so, uh, you know, like you said, no matter where you are, you know, if you're in a hockey market, I mean, even Vegas, as much as I don't like Vegas, listen, they they make their playoffs uh, theatrical performance, and it's, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty – they. I mean, for a team that was just established three years ago and the success they've had, and the fact that they've already established their own playoff traditions already uh, is pretty amazing. I mean, of course, they made it to the Stanley Cup final in their first first season, and I really did not 
want them. I was like, how the new kids on the block going to get a cup before anybody else? So, um, it's a lot of great atmospheres, great hockey atmospheres that I just, I want to just go and experience myself. Um, and I really, I really one of these days, like I will literally go to Winnipeg and go to a Winnipeg whiteout. Like, yeah, go to the edge of the earth. I will go to the edge of the earth for a Winnipeg whiteout. I, I would do that. Or go to Calgary for to see a red if the Flames make the playoffs again. Those atmospheres are like what make the Stanley Cup playoffs what they are. A couple more series to talk about. The Avalanche, they're moving into the second round with the sweep over the St. Louis Blues. So the Blues, two years uh, removed from winning the Cup, get swept out of this year's playoffs by the President's Cup trophy President's Trophy winning uh, Avalanche, best team in the game uh, record-wise this year. Uh, Carolina was up for that, but they decided to rest some of their players uh, in the last two or three games to get ready for the playoffs. Uh, so I, I guess this was kind of what we expected from the Avalanche, uh, you know, just a big flex over St. Louis, and they're on to the second round. Uh, the Boston Bruins, they advanced to the second round with a 4-1 series win over the Capitals. Uh, Capitals won the first game, and then the Bruins was like, oh, thank you, we'll take these next four. And uh, happy summer, uh, Ovi. Yep. And now, of course, the question is, is Ovi going to come back for an extension with the Capitals, or is he going to go free agent? Um, he wants to stay in Washington. Obviously, Washington wants to keep him. Uh, deal will get done. I'm not worried about that whatsoever. Uh, the Bruins, I'm sure they are hoping the Islanders will hold on to this lead that they have over Pittsburgh because the Garden will have the Bruins will have home ice for the um, East Division final, East Division finals against the Islanders. So, um, the Avs, I mean, they will have home ice throughout. Of course, after the division finals, the teams will receive for the Stanley Cup semis. So um, whoever has the most points in the regular season will be seeded one. Whoever has the lowest points remaining will be seeded fourth. And then the two other teams will go at it in the other series leading up to the Stanley Cup final. Um yeah, that. So yeah, Winnipeg. They wait. Uh, likely Toronto, unless the Canadians come back. And we, the Central Division, right now looks like at the moment it looks like it'll be Carolina, Tampa Bay. But we'll see how the rest of the series play out. Now you're all caught up on the playoffs, NBA, NHL. So the first rounds are starting to come to a close. Um, we've had some competitive matchups. We've had some testy matchups in the NHL. The Hurricanes and the Predators have really been uh, uh, having a it's lot a of, of competition. It's a shame we won't see this after, next, after this season. So, uh, so what now? The divisions go back to the way they were, right? Yeah, they're going to go back to East and Western conferences. And with Seattle coming in, 
uh, into the Pacific, the Arizona Coyotes will move into the Central Division. Um, and because of the Seattle Kraken coming into the league in 2021. They couldn't choose a, a better geographical team to move into the Central, though? Uh, but I guess if you look I, at the West and you got all those California teams, that is kind of the one outlier. Yeah, that's the biggest outlier. Uh, I want to actually pull that up real quick uh, uh, because that is because uh, of Vegas, of course, with the um, Vegas and Seattle. Those are the two obviously Pacific teams that will they'll be in the Pacific. Um, yeah, so of course, this is contingent on the Canadian borders. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Right now, the original plan was to move, was to put Seattle in the Pacific Division and move Arizona to the Central, uh, because Arizona is the easternmost team in that division. Right. They basically divided it into the time zones, mm-hmm. and and so the the North was you know, the Atlantic Metropolitan. And then the Central and the Pacific, but because of the the uh, border situation, uh, we may be we may be seeing the Canadian teams uh, doing the All Canada Division again, right? And then and we may have to see a team like Minnesota go to the Central. I didn't think it made. I don't know why they put Minnesota all the way in the West to begin with, when they could have been in the Central as well. But I think they put them in the West only because of the the way they did the Central Division with all the teams, the southernmost teams, mm-hmm. together, like with the Florida teams, Nashville, Carolina, Dallas, as. Uh, Chicago. They could have put St. Louis there. I mean, St. Louis is four hours from Nashville and not far from Chicago at all. I think that was probably they could probably likely put Seattle in St. Louis's spot and do it that way. Now, Dwayne, I'm going to turn it over to you, sir, for your final shout-outs and thank yous. Oh, man. Shout-outs to the Shout out to you, Don. Thank you for having me as always. Thank you to the CSPN for all the opportunities uh, I've been blessed with. Shout out to the hockey writers. Um, also to Fanside and Swarmistine crew. And my final thought has to go with the footy. Uh, soccer, the Premier League season ended. And not only did it end, it ended with some drama, as always. Um, Manchester City won the Premier League for the third time in four years. Manchester United was second, but it was three teams fighting for two spots. Um, 
It was Chelsea, Liverpool, and Leicester City. Uh, Chelsea ended up losing to Aston Villa. Liverpool beat Crystal Palace. And Leicester, who needed to win over Tottenham, ended up losing and missing out on the Champions League for the second year in a row. Uh, on the last weekend of the season for the second year in a row. Um, so, a uh, heartbreak for the fans in Leicester, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool, who was literally left for dead, and it looked like they were not even going to be playing anywhere in Europe for next season. Uh, they ended up actually winning their last six games and propelling themselves to a third-place finish. Not bad for a team that was ravaged with injuries and probably also hung over from their first Premier League title <laughs> as well, uh, ever, and their first title since 1991. So I think those combinations, uh, but they rallied, they rallied, they got it together at the end and hopefully with a healthier squad and the schedule back on track for the Premier League uh, we'll see Liverpool back up on his perch where they belong well thank you Dwayne for joining me once again on Know the Score thank you to everybody who's listened to the CSPN and uh, continue to rock with us and uh, subscribe and rate and review the shows and listen to the WrestleCast. So please continue to, uh, you know, spare, uh, spend some of your time with us uh, entertainment wise. Uh, my final thought is going to be with, um, it's the biggest weekend in auto sports. It is the Memorial day weekend, the unofficial start of summer, uh, where we have, the world's, uh, the United States' most famous race, the Indianapolis 500, uh, taking place early on Sunday, and then it's uh, the nightcap is going to be the Coca-Cola 6, 600 in Charlotte, NASCAR's uh, longest, uh, toughest, grueling event. So, uh, yeah, just uh, if you're a guy or gal who likes to see cars go around tracks very fast, uh, you'll have 1,100 miles to uh, get all over you on Sunday. Um, I love the Indianapolis 500. It is such a difficult race to win. It's such a dangerous race. Um, just in the nature of how fast those cars are going and, and how close they are. And the, the runs, uh, that you get about a quarter mile away, uh, with those Indy cars, with the speed that they're carrying. Um, so yeah, a lot of strategy goes into it. Um, so I really am entertained each and every year, uh, by the Indianapolis 500, and then NASCAR coming off of um, what some people would say is a mixed bag uh, weekend uh, down in Austin, Texas at the Circus of the Americas. Uh, first time they'd ever been uh, to that particular road course. Uh, it was a rainy event as they had kind of tropical depression uh, in Texas all weekend last weekend. And uh, they raced in the rain. Uh, they can race in the wet but they can't race in the rain. And uh, they proved that um, with some pretty scary crashes uh, due to guys not having uh, any visibility, having to literally slow down to kind of get their bearings, and then other guys coming full speed, uh, running into the back of guys. I uh, had a couple of accidents like that, real scary. 
uh, ended up having to call the race with 14 laps to go. Uh, Chase Elliott got his first win of the season. Uh, just happened to be made the right uh, strategy play. He was going to run out of gas if the uh, race continued under green flag. He was going to have to pit, but he gambled and his gamble paid off. So looking forward to see how NASCAR follows the last weekend up coming back to Charlotte. Uh, and you know with the 600 and everything like that so uh, looking yeah. forward to watching a oh, yeah. lot of left turns yes and also for the first time since January 2020 I'm coming back to Carolina um, and I can't wait <laughs> to, um, um, what's the dude the singer uh, Neil uh, not um, Young what's his name the singer the- uh, Neil Diamond not Neil Diamond, the dude who sings Carol- James Taylor. Cue to James Taylor. Oh, Sweet Caroline? No, Caroline on my mind. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and my mom sent me a text. She's like, 600 week, and be careful. I was like, that is correct. <laughs> and also, fun fact, since it is going to be the unofficial start of summertime, the the official summer anthem, Summertime, hit 30 years old on May 20th as well. Oh, wow. Shout out to DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. You may know him as Will Smith. Um, so thank you, Dwayne, once again for joining me. Um, I'm your co. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.